Welcome to another edition of the Red Reporter Podcast. I'm BK, and along with me in studio this week, we have, once again, Scott, also known as Fordham Ram on the site. Howdy, howdy. Episode 2, it's like uh, Return of the Jedi. Wait, no, that's Empire Strikes Back. I don't think that's episode 2. Oh, wait, no, it's the awful stuff, which is absolutely unlistenable. That makes perfect sense. So, we'll work. And uh, alongside... Me in studio as well is Brian, a.k.a. Man Bear Pig. Hello. <laughs> or Dash Man Bear Pig. Yeah, you have to say the Dash. The Dash is part of it? It's not silent. All right, and on, on the phone this week we have Wick, otherwise known as Kevin Mitchell as Batman, or KMIB, or Mibby, or... Kevin Mitchell as Road Beef. Kevin Car- Mitchell as Car- Roast Beef. Kevin Mitchell is Angie. Yes, I'm actually out here to uh, make sure it's more Rambo First Blood Part Two than God Awful Star Wars Part Two. Yeah, yeah, that was a really, really awful analogy, Scott. <laughs> uh, it may actually be the most accurate out of any of them by the time we're. Oh, uh, that remains to be seen. And uh, also with us this week, we have Carrie, aka AC Slider, aka Nude Guy. Carrie, what's up? Nude guy. What's up? I have no movie puns or jokes to make, so moving along. You don't? Are you? We can't make fun of nude guy anymore. That's is that still a joke? Okay. The Star Wars slash Rambo. Oh, terrible joke. That's that stinks. (laughs) We're off to a great start already, guys. I think so. So, uh, first order of business. Let's kind of uh, touch on the last couple days in Redsland. We have. Beaten. We're recording this during the Reds' first game in Cleveland in the middle of this goofy four-game series where they just won the first two at home against Cleveland. How's, what are you guys' impressions of the team? Well, everything mainly. I think they look pretty good. That and Cleveland's terrible. Uh, they, uh, they're they're like, aren't they one of the better teams in the AL right now? Am I... Yeah. Around there. AL Central, which, you know, yeah. when you're playing the Royals, who've had three home runs since May 19th, you know, it's kind of leaves something to be desired. And the White Sox, who just allowed three home runs to former Red, Dion Navarro, today. I saw that. Yeah. And that was and a think, little unexpected. Yeah. And I think Adam Dunn has three hits this year, all of which have been home runs. And a million walks. Yeah. And that's why he's OBP. Great. No. We'll, we I mean, will we will get to that later. I think the Indians are all right, though. I mean, if you look at that lineup, they've got some they, some passion. I I agree. I think they got uh, they got some good players on that team. They their pitching staff has been better than normal. Yeah, their pitching's definitely surprised me. Their, their bats, I, I said before the season started, were going to be pretty formidable. That's a solid lineup from top to bottom. Yeah, they got switch hitters in there. They got lefties. They got righties. It's got depth. They've yeah. got some versatility. They've, they've got Mark Reynolds, who just hit a home run. He's a pumpkin. In, uh, Speaking I, about him, is he? This, is like, this is like the fourth year of Mark Reynolds doing exactly this. Well, he hasn't had his requisite 200 strikeouts yet. Wow. Does that home run count as just one? I think he hit that back to Cincinnati. Yeah. Basically. Wow. It landed in Lake Erie, I think. Are we technically allowed to provide commentary to games <laughs> that are going on with the? Uh, do we need, do we need express written consent from Major League Baseball about that? At least Very implied well oral consents. <laughs> yeah, so we're good. As long as we're not live, we're good. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> that's why. That's because so everybody knows that these games already happened. So okay. Right. Spoiler alert: We <laughs> so, don't know who wins. <laughs> we don't. So by yeah, by the time you listen to this, you will know who won. We're so don't tell us because we're, we want to watch it. Let's get to our first topic. Should baseball players, as Dusty Baker suggests, fight more? The Reds being the bullies of the uh, Major League Baseball at this point. Did Dusty, I don't know. Did Dusty's comment made absolutely no sense. I mean, who who said something like that? So yeah, they should I mean, lock them in a room. And... Yeah, for for those listening who haven't seen Dusty's comment, he basically said that when uh, when Garza came back and uh, said that he wanted to beat up Cueto or whatever, Dusty suggested to lock them in a room and uh, have them fight it out. Because that's the only sensible way to... Right, instead of just dropping the issue and being professionals, which you are paid to do. Well, he's just finding new ways to injure his pitching staff. Right. Hey-oh. I think the sort of hypocritical thing I was reading, I forget where I read this, but someone pointed out within that same interview, he said something to the effect that he doesn't fight Fado's F-bombs that he's dropping left and right. And it's, you know, kind of hilarious that he's cool with two guys going at it in the locked room. But uh, Yeah, he, 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 he can condone the, uh, the, fight, the cage match between his, with his pitching staff, but well, not a couple of swear words on the field. Well, yeah, it's much easier to explain to your kid that you know your best pitcher is beating up a Chicago Cub because that always happens. Right. You know, whereas f bombs in a civilized society, we try to uh, you know reduce them as much as possible. Right. Right. What thirteen-year-old needs to hear that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I'll admit with the uh, the at bat that was in question with uh, the Vado dropping f bombs. I didn't see it when I was watch like I didn't wasn't watching that game, but I saw the replay of it, and it's that's pretty bad. Yeah, it was you it know was pretty like, audible. Yeah. I I can't imagine being a, you know having a kid you know you got great seats to the game you're in diamond seats with your you know impressionable young kid and well and you know, and heck even Dusty Baker's kid I mean. Yeah. First basemen are heroes to Dusty Baker's kid. Just go, remember J.T. Snow. J.T. Snow. You know, he saved him from <laughs> uh, being decapitated at home plate. So these people are role models. They right. need to be looked up to. Well, and not only that, Dusty Baker's kid is the bad boy. Keep in mind. Yeah. So. He has been he for was, about 15 years. He was, yeah. I, th- I think he will always be the bad boy. How, at the same, how at the same time, though, that Votto's had a couple outbursts. You know, obviously he's had more than one that's been picked up. This one seemed to be a little bit more, uh, more, uh, uh, I guess, longer than the other ones had been. Yeah. Um, but it's not really any different than the four or five times he's been ejected for arguing balls and strikes, or the times where Dusty's come out and been ejected from games either. I mean, it's it's still kind of relative. I don't think Votto's going to. You know, uh, drop f bombs four times consecutively every time he strikes out from here on to the end of the year. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one thing to be you know mad at yourself, but you know, most of the time he does. He can keep a level head, but well, most of the know, time he's, he's got a home runs. Yeah. Most most yeah. of the time he's succeeding. Yeah. What he's doing. So it's true. <laughs> Unless you're Paul Doherty, and then everything's a fail if you're Joey Votto. 
Yeah. Do we do we want to touch on this this now, guys? Um, Hello, can of worms. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Obviously, um, Paul Doherty made national news with his comments about Joey Votto. Uh, was it over the weekend? And uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, so this was a couple of days, you know, five days ago, that this column came out said that Joey Votto was doing enough to help the team in the third spot. Keeping not really thinking about how, you know, Joey Votto doesn't choose where he bats every day. And not only does Joey Votto not choose where he bats every day, he's the best hitter. He's probably going to hit third. But, you know, even if you take the premise of Paul Doherty's argument that, you know, Joey Votto needs to produce more RBI. On-base percentage is not enough. If you look at who's hitting behind him, it's Jay Bruce and Brandon Phillips. Those two Reds yeah. have, as a tandem, the most RBIs of anybody in the National League. Right. J- to, I mean, and those him. those guys are the ones reaping the benefit from Joey getting on base. It's one thing. It's one thing to say that. Joey isn't doing enough to help the team by doing what he's doing. But when you look at those numbers that Phil, especially Phillips is putting up, and, you know, granted he's been great with runners in scoring position and, you know, runners on base. But when you look at those numbers, you can't help but notice that those are kind of receiving a little bump from the job that Joey Votto is doing in that third spot right behind him. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry about that. You're good. The thing that I think is most appalling, if you will, is the fact that he doesn't even understand what the criticism is. So I'm looking right now at his uh, column from this morning. Yeah. And he, uh, he says he's being attacked for suggesting that RBIs are, you know, good. Straw man! No, and that's in, exactly. And, not the criticism. No one, right. No one, and what, he, what he's doing is basically not looking at the criticism and choosing what he wants the criticism to be, which is another ridiculous argument. I think right. at this point it's just he's either willfully ignorant or just trolling everybody for page clicks. I mean, those are the only it's, two logical at, the, at this point, it's probably a mixture of the two, right? I, I, mean, I don't think he's trolling. I really think he's <laughs> I, mean, I agree with Kerry. I, really, I, I agree with Kerry. I don't think he trolls because I don't think he's internet savvy enough to understand... The fine art of trolling. Uh, yeah, and, but... You know, his Twitter account, if he wanted to troll, he'd be much more active than just posting a story. Right. Yeah, but... There's, like, there's about four or five different moving parts of this that I, I kind of want to touch on. Mm-hmm. Um, first and foremost being that he, he's right in one aspect, in that RBI are important. Right. Nobody's saying they're not. Right. Everybody's saying that they're just things that are more important. And he tends to just think it's an, it's an either-or argument. It's, it's not. RBIs are great. Absolutely great. I would take somebody who batted right. 1,000 in uh, situations that had runners on base and batted zero in situations that had nobody on base 10 times out of 10 it, instead of the inverse. That, that's absolutely the case. Right. Um, but the fact remains is that Votto's having absolutely the best month he's ever had in his career by batting average if he wants to use that arcane statistic as well. Right. And it's not even close. He's batting, well, he was batting 424 before he hit that home run tonight. And he's never hit more than 390 in a single month 
as is. So he's outperforming whichever statistic right. uh, Doc wants to use. He's also having the second best OPS month of his entire career too. Um, across the board, you pick a stat, whichever one you really want to use, and he's performing. Right. There's no and way around it. There's and that's making no distinction between old school and new school stats. Right. That's right. any any metric you can point out. He's doing a good job so far in May. You know, and even you know, he struggled a little bit in April, but it, it, and it seems like that's just being held against him at this point still. And I think you hit on the key point on mentioning the dynamic, or I guess the argument that PDOC is trying to create between old school and new school. Yeah. Because let's look at this team. They're they're winning. They're thirty two and nineteen. There isn't a whole heck of a lot of conflict to write about if you're a sports writer. So you're left up with coming up with cockamamie arguments regarding, you know, whose evaluation of this Reds team is more accurate or, you know, who's your favorite Reds player out of any of these and why do you hate all the other ones instead? You know, right. it's a desperate attempt to be relevant while the team is doing good when your job mainly is to critique. Well, that's true. I mean, when you look at Paul Dockery's history, I mean, he's he's covered the Reds for a long time and for most of those years that he's covered the Reds, they've been awful and he's had plenty to write about. You know, no, hey, I, should Jerry Naren be fired? We're a long way from that. Why is Danny Ray Herrera being the setup guy? Right. Yeah, two, things, two things on that. One, the argument that he wants to pretend is out there. It's something that was settled probably 10, 15 years ago. For most, you know, most saber metric folks, if you will, don't discount scouting. And most scouts right. these days don't discount saber metrics. It, you know, there's been a marriage of the two, if you will. And Doc would be trying to relive an argument, like I said, it's been dead for 15 years. And then back to the whole RBI thing, I think his, his idea that this that this stat is somehow completely in a player's control is asinine, and that's the point he's missing. No one's saying RBI are bad. The point is that the, the right. individual player has very little control. Right, and that's, that's something that has been... I don't know if it's been proven, but it's been strengthened within the last right. couple of years with the advent of this advanced statistics and sabermetrics, if you want to call it that. And it's and not Joey Votto's fault that Zach Kozar can't get on base either. Yeah. Cozy is hitting a robust 242 in the two spot now. Right. So he's he's white hot. Right. Basically. And not and not and not walking. No, Kozar yeah. doesn't really walk either. He has you been know. looking really good the last. He's been he's been fun the last week, but yeah, maybe he read that article too. He's like, I need to back my boy up a little bit here. Yep. And also, if you um, if you just stare at Joey's stats one more time, um, in his six full seasons, everything compiled, his career average before tonight, mm-hmm. slugging percentage wise, is five fifty three. Coming into tonight, before his home run in the first inning, he's now slugging five fifty four. So he's doing better at being a slugger. "Quote unquote," which is what which your is, third batter is, which is what Paul Doherty wants out of his third pole. Exactly, spot. exactly, and he's on pace now after tonight to hit what roughly twenty nine home runs, which would be the second highest total of his career. Right, uh, which they knew before he signed him. That's what was the second highest total of, of his career. So there's there's nothing about the argument other than um, rabble rousing. That's that's the only thing you can possibly glean from this is that he's looking to 
have somebody attempt to explain it to him while yeah. he's got his hands over his ears. Yeah, and I, I think there's probably something along with the uh, whole, you know, he probably wrote this article in April and, you know, when yeah. Joey was really struggling. Exactly. No, he actually wrote this <laughs> article. Got... He just changed Ken Griffey Jr.'s name or Adam Dunn's name to Joey Votto. Yeah, he wrote it in 2003. Let's not kid ourselves. He it does seem to have uh, an obsession with Adam Dunn and shoehorning Adam Dunn into every other article that he writes. He's like some of our fans. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, that's... <laughs> Marty does that too, though. Yeah. On the air. They really, really, really hate Adam I mean, Adam just... Dunn. I, <laughs> Even, yeah, a guy who hasn't been here in years now, you know. They will yeah, actively way, prevent can, can him from being... Can the office get a little bit of dab for at least selling high on Adam Dunn? I mean, yeah. they didn't get a whole lot back for him, but they got rid of him pretty much at the end of what Adam Dunn could consistently do. It's true, yeah. The, what, the, it was the year right after they got rid of him, right, where he just bombed, right? I think you know he had the decent year in Washington. Oh, that's right. I forgot about Washington. I forgot about Washington. They signed him for a lot more than the Reds would have wanted to sign him for. Right. And since then, it's just been a steady, steady decline into more terrible performance than before he was. Yeah, just pretty much. Well, he had that uh, fun time in Arizona, which, you know, because we traded him to the Diamondbacks, didn't we? Hey, playoffs. Yes. Yeah. Micah Owens. Yeah, what, what was the return for the Dundrake? Micah Owens and then another Wilkin guy. Castillo. Wilkin Castillo in uh, Dallas, Dallas Buck. Buck. Dallas Buck. Wasn't... And he's uh, Dallas. the fifth most famous person with the last name Buck behind uh, John and Uncle. Right. What about uh, from uh, Midnight Cowboy? No, nobody is <laughs> nobody <laughs> <has> in <seen> Midnight <laughs> Cowboy. Even cricket. I don't. I don't have a cricket sound hey, it effect. It won yet. best picture in 1968. Oh, okay. yeah. I'm familiar with the title, but I, I cannot. I could not pull out an IMDb page for that right now on the top of my head. I had John Voight and uh, Dustin Hoffman. Is that the one where the guy dies on the bus? And yes, he keeps it is. Exactly. The the yes, that is the one. Did you, did you just spoil it for an entire audience? <laughs> yes, yeah, spoiler alert. <laughs> we... The guy dies on a bus at the end of the movie. He spoiled it for the other four of us that have not seen it. Yeah, not only that, for everyone listening. And Henry Nielsen uh, basically just plays music throughout the entire movie. What do we want to go Harry to Nielsen, next? Right? What's that? Harry Nielsen, right? Yeah. yeah, Harry. I said Henry, didn't I? Yes. yes. Okay, I'm thinking of Harry, Henry Rodriguez. But yeah, Henry Nielsen. Yeah. That means for sure. Sure. Yeah. All right. So uh, our next topic of discussion is just kind of looking back on the first third of the season here. Uh, we're before tonight's game, 52 games in, and uh, we thought, well, what's something we can do with the number 52? So we decided to name it after one of our favorites at Red Reporter, Danny Ray Herrera. And we're going to call these the Drunky Ray Awards. Because he was once arrested for public intoxication. At four in the morning. On a highway. On a, on a highway in, <laughs> what, Columbus? I'm, I'm actually rather impressed that the, uh, the police officer that was shining the light actually managed to shine it low enough <laughs> off the side of his car to be able to yeah. see Danny Ray walking down the road. Yeah. yeah and I was, I was going to say, to be fair to the guy, it, it didn't take much. I feel I feel bad about that too. I mean, I feel bad ripping on the guy because he 
if you guys don't remember, he came on Red Reporter at one point and did a did a good interview with us. Mm-hmm. And at one point, he was the second tallest and he person was, on Red Reporter. Yeah. Again, again with the short jokes. <laughs> what, what did he throw? Yeah, was it a knuckle curve? A screwball. He threw a scroogey. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 74 or 76 mile an hour just jump pitch. Right? Yeah, no, and sometimes it was it was in the 60s a couple times. I remember he threw he threw one that was like, because his fastball was like 84, but he could get the screwball in there like 62 and just buckle the down. screwball, right. I think he's he's still in the Mets organization, I believe, right? Uh, the Mets released D- Drunky Ray in March of 2013. Oh, so, man, where's he playing? Uh, Do we know? <laughs> no. Which is a polite way of saying nowhere. Are we uh, sure the baseball reference doesn't have it? Okay, well, Open him up. I feel like he's a lefty. He's got to be in the minors somewhere. Yeah. Maybe he's in the Mexican league. Is that racist? racist. Kind of. <laughs> kind of it's, it's kind of, yeah. He's a Texan. Maybe he's in the Texan league. Which but, is where he came from originally, right? Because he was part what? of the, uh, the Hamilton grade? Yeah. yeah. Yes. That is correct, Wick. It was the prize piece. Thanks, Brian. How you been, buddy? I've been good. I've been, I've been quite good. It's uh, sunny and, and beautiful out here in Colorado. Good. So. Yeah. yeah, for uh, for those of you uh, not familiar, Wick is joining us from Denver, Colorado, and Carrie is joining us from the same city that we're recording in. <laughs> in fact, I'm pretty sure both Brian and I traveled further to record this than Carrie would have had he traveled with us. We're looking up Danny Ray's uh, stats to see if he's pitching anywhere this year. I don't have because this is exciting radio. It doesn't look like he... No, he isn't. Last year he was in Buffalo. But I wonder if he got hurt. He probably, I, we should probably reach out to him and, uh, and see what he's doing. We don't need a loogie. Uh, Drunky Ray Herrera not playing Major League Baseball anymore award goes to Miguel Cairo. <laughs> right. Yeah. Basically... He still gets to wear a uniform, though. Yeah. Okay, and hypothetical question for you. Base coach every once in a while. Not counting last night's game, would you rather have Danny Ray Herrera as your lefty specialist or Manny Parra? I think uh, Danny Ray has better you know, platoon splits against lefties than Manny Parra does. Probably. I think he does, too. I think Paul Yonish <clears throat> has better lefty platoon splits. I'll, I'll take C, neither. <laughs> there you go. Yonish. C, Corky Miller. What amazes me is that Manny Parra can throw 93, 94 miles an hour. And he's a left-handed pitcher who's been on Major League rosters for five years and still just... He should be not awful. I feel like like that isn't a lot to ask from from a guy. But he's still pretty much awful. Yeah. I I feel like that's not a lot to ask from a guy with a five-run lead in the late innings of a ball game that's already decided. Hey, small sample but, size. How many games are you up by five runs and you need a Manny Parra? According to Dusty has used him with less leads than that. I, was yeah, really, I, I don't think it's fair to, to you know, judge him on a time. He's the guy that pitched seven innings. You know, he certainly wasn't good in Milwaukee, but, but it's just not based on his Cincinnati time. I mean, the guy you know, hasn't had much time to do anything, so... What's what's shocking to me is that uh, in hindsight, you look up with the Marshall injury and you realize that Donnie Joseph was basically given away for more or less nothing. Um, They got Broxton back, but then they had to re-sign him. I mean, Broxton was a rental at that point. They gave up Horst for Wilson Valdez. Um, I mean, we've we've pretty much just thrown left-handed relief pitchers at the upper minors and 
you know, cup of coffee level in the in the major leagues, just throwing him for stuff that we didn't really even need at the time. And now yeah. we look up and we realize, yeah, either one of those guys would probably be a pretty nice part of the bullpen. Yeah, the horsed one bugs me the most because it just made no sense trading anything of value for a replacement level middle infielder like Wilson Valdez. Hey, have you seen right. him bunt? Yeah. Well, I mean, you back. saw what we could. We got uh, Burris and uh, Isturis this year for nothing. For free. Yeah. And we traded for Valdez right after giving Giannis away, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, yeah. They could have kept Giannis and kept Horst and, and we probably really been would have better off. That. Yeah. Well, he's not, couldn't have been worse well, than Well, one of Valdez. our listeners would have loved that. <laughs> right. Shut up. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh. And, uh, but no, yeah. And actually... I, I saw Jeremy Horst pitch in a Phillies game not too long ago. He, against the Reds. He looks fine. Yeah. He had a decent year last year, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. He's he's a decent lefty reliever, which is what the Reds don't have right now with Marshall Hurt. I mean, other than not counting a role with Chapman, who is not going to be your movie. Uh, well, it depends if Dusty has any say for it. <laughs> right. And uh, Donnie Joseph currently has a... 14.0 strikeout per nine inning um, in Triple A Omaha right now. So, I thought wow. he was having a bad year. Yeah, I thought he was uh, giving up a lot of runs. He's got, he got knocked around twice, I think, in two of his appearances. The rest of them have been more or less spotless. Um, and he's striking out people at just a phenomenal rate. And, uh, yeah, Broxton, speaking of having two terrible performances, uh, yeah. 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 So we traded one guy for the – we traded the left-handed version of that guy for the old right-handed version of that guy. Yeah, pretty much. Market inefficiencies. Right. But, okay, what we were going on with, before we got on our Danny Ray Herrera tangent, as we tend to do, is that uh, we want to look at the uh, first part of the season, give out the Drunky Ray Awards for for where we are after 52 games. So, um, who is the team's MVP after 52 games? Brian. Is that really a question? I mean, it's got to be Votto at this point. I, I think I think there are there are a couple names you could throw out. You could argue Chu. I mean, you could argue Phillips, but I think I think you could make a good argument for all three of those guys. Yeah, and that's I mean, that's a great problem to have. But I mean, those those three guys are all elite players at their positions right now. Uh, I'm I'm actually going to go out on a limb and I'm going to give it to Chu. Um, because, well, it, it's hard not to pick Votto for obvious, obvious reasons. Um, I don't necessarily think that Chu is the best player on the Reds, but I think Chu has made pitchers think about having to deal with Votto more than any other player has in his, you know, his six full seasons here. Um, yeah, he's on base all the time, and suddenly. It's not two outs, uh, nobody on Votto with the plate every single time. And that's forced Votto to be pitched differently than he ever has been before. And he's been spectacular doing that. But Chu is the perfect piece that we needed to jump in and play the position he's playing right now. And you couldn't have asked. You can't ask because there's not really been a performance of the caliber Chu's put up through these first 52 games. Right. Uh, from the leadoff position player in Reds history for 30 years. Right. And yeah, yeah, I, think, I, was, I think that's the point on the whole value, most valuable. You know, Joey Votto 
almost get punished for being as good as he's been because we've grown to expect it. So yeah. I feel like somebody like Chu or Philip, at least in in my mind, is more valuable because they're doing more than I expect of them. Whereas Vado is certainly a better player and doing more to produce than those two, while the, while the other two are exceeding expectations. Uh, part, part of me thinks Vado would have 65 walks right now if we didn't have Chu in the lead opposition. Yeah, you literally get nothing to swing it, and I don't I don't know how to how to bridge that gap of Chu being on base. So Votto has more pitches to swing at. Who, who's more valuable in that scenario? I mean, you had to have Chu to get the best out of Votto, and we've got them, and they're both performing at just phenomenal levels. Well, and, and by the same token, you know, Phillips' ability to drive in those runs of Doc would love to say, you know, I think you saw with uh, the first game of this series where managers are actually pitching Devado late in game with runners on base where I don't, I can't remember how long it's been since we've seen that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So that brings us to our next, um, our next category here. Who has been the Cy Young Award winner for the Reds so far in 2013. That's tough. Yeah, I think it's either you gotta go late host or daily. Right? Yeah, one of the two. I would surprise. Uh, I would agree. Red Leg Nation had a you know comparison of the uh, red starting pitchers lately, and you know by the advanced metrics, Bailey was the best in almost every category. So yeah. yeah. I'm going to go by the traditional metrics, and I'm going to say somebody that is going to surprise some people. Mike Leake. Mike Leake. Mike Leake has done exceptionally well over the past month and a half in terms of pitching. And, you know, since we are looking at only a 52-game window, you know, I think uh, he would qualify for the Cy Young uh, uh, Award for the shortened, pardon the pun, season that would entitle him to a Danny Ray Herrera Award. (laughs) Like to expound on that? Yeah, really. no, <laughs> go right ahead. I think I used enough prepositions in that last sentence to last for the rest of the podcast. I think I, I've, I've been phenomenally surprised with Lee. I, if nothing else, um, he's risen to the challenge. I mean, if you look at the whole uh, Tony Sincroni brief era uh, in Cincinnati. Uh, in the period of time where the two of them were there, they pitched differently. They've got different strikeout and walk rates. Mike Lick had a better ERA when Tony Sigarni was up. I mean, he pitched better than he had previously when he was faced with that kind of competition. So he's been fantastic. I've got nothing but praise for Mike Leake. He's exceeded my expectations yeah, this year significantly. That said, Homer Bailey's the best Cy Young candidate on the staff right now. I would agree. I think Latos is quietly having a really awesome year as well. I mean, his... Strikeout, strikeout per nine innings is higher than it was at the end of last year, um, and he was—he seems to be doing it with less stuff than he had last year. His velocity hasn't been, or he's had some games where his velocity wasn't that great, and he's still, you know, aside from that one bad game where he gave up seven runs, but the Reds exploded for twelve anyway, and he got the win. Right. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's looking really good to me this year. If you had to set up a playoff rotation right now, who, who would be your game one starter? 
Because I guess that's ultimately what we're asking, isn't it? If we're comparing just our own pitchers, who's your number one? See, I, I still think it'd be my. I think it'd be Matt Latos, and I'm not. I think it wouldn't be close. I think it's still going to be Cueto. Yeah, it's still going to be Yeah, uh, if he's healthy, know. then you'd have to almost give it to Cueto. I think, but I'm I think... I'm going between Cueto and, Cueto and Leto. Either yeah. one works for me. But I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you have a known commodity with Cueto right now. If, if the playoff series was right now this second, I'm not sure that Cueto would be your number one guy. Uh, his eight pitch performance last year didn't really show a whole lot. Uh, <laughs> right. His one first game one start that he uh, had the chance to be on the big stage, you know. Right. Um, you, 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 this is a it's a great argument to have. It's yeah. also a blessing to have too. When, I mean, yeah, we, when you right now have guys, three guys who are there. you have three guys who are pitching like aces. I mean, yeah, and Mike Lee. Oh uh, <laughs> yeah, no, Mike I'm sorry, well. he's one of those three, pal. <laughs> and and, and Quito's oblique. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, think about this. Coming into tonight's game, Bronson Arroyo had the Reds' highest ERA of the starting pitchers at 339. That's the worst ERA of the starting pitchers. Which, I mean, if it's only two years ago that Bronson Which, Arroyo would have. Which going up tonight, too. Possibly. Yeah. So, have we reached a consensus, or are we all... Yeah. A consensus that I, we I, all I think have five different opinions, yes. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> And then our last category, what's the what's the best uh, new addition or new role um, on the team this year? That's pretty easy. Is, is it even a debate? It's yeah. Chew, right? It's yeah, got to be Chew. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I think arguably and, the MVP certainly I, the best addition. And and I think um, there's an honorable mention for guys like you know Xavier Paul, who's come on. Off of the, basically the fifth outfielder of the role, and been been a serviceable starting left fielder. Absolutely. How about he, our fireman? He's the, he, and you could very easily make the claim that Xavier Paul has been the fourth best player on the Reds this year, offensively, and that's from somebody who you expected virtually nothing from. Yeah. Aside from spot starts and pinch hitting, that's that's impressive as can be. I mean, he's got he's got almost a, a on base percentage of four hundred. And for a guy who's batting in front of the catcher, who's batting in front of the pitcher, because that's all Dusty's lineups work, that's fantastic. That's that's not, you know, stuck in the eighth spot uh, pigeonhole numbers. That's that's production, and he's been he's been fantastic. He's been I, absolutely fantastic. I think so in too. terms of an honorable mention, I guess just for the pitching staff, for somebody that you know has taken a role and has completely run with it, I'm going to have to go with Sam LeCure because. You know, this season, Dusty has basically put him in a bunch of high leverage situations where, you know, if you need an out, he's the guy that Dusty calls on. And in this situation, he's he's he has a whip under one, and his strikeout per, per nine innings is uh, second in the bullpen next to what's that guy's name? The Cuban guy, Aroldis Chapman. Aroldis Chapman. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I love Sam Lequeur to death. I think he's. Uh... Worthy of the Saturn Nuts moniker as well. Um, like, yeah. I mean, he I, can go out in any situation, and it doesn't seem yeah, to given, any given a starter who's about to get pulled in a bases-loaded situation with one out, I'm not sure if there's anybody else I want out there other than Sam McHear. Well, he was nails in the playoff game after yeah. Cueto had to be put out. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, if there was 
if Jonathan Broxton's performance based on his salary hadn't been enough to really make me sour on that whole idea, uh, <laughs> watching what Sam Lahir has done, uh, having already been in the bullpen and set perfectly ready to perform that role, uh, watching Lahir be, be dominant as he has been, really just makes that Broxton deal just look that much worse because he's proven he can do it. And he's right. done it. And he's still doing it. And way to be a killjoy. He's, he's doing it better than Broxton is, and Broxton's still kind of that guy. And yeah, he's and I think one... a lot of people view Lecure as kind of, you know, a soft tosser that doesn't have great stuff. But well, this stuff is plenty, plenty good. He's, and he's, he's aggressive against fine. pit batters, yeah. too. I mean, he throws inside for strikes, and, you know, that's, you know, what gets guys out. You know, late in games. I think his two-seam fastball is one of the best pitches that anybody on this pitching staff has in the Absolutely. entire team. Absolutely. And I think she'd shut down a left-handed hitter better than, I mean, you know, anybody else in the team can, maybe aside from Rolls Chapman slider. Slider. AC. The AC, AC slider, if you will. <laughs> the AC slider. Well played. All right. <laughs> Hardly even know her. <laughs> so, so we're moving on to the... Uh, the, the section of the show where we look back through Joel Luckup's book, 100 Things Reds Fans Should Do It, No One Do Before They Die, flip to a random page, and learn a little bit. Okay, about... just make sure you don't turn to Dolph Lundgren again. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren was a lot of fun last time. I well, learned a I lot know, about Dolph I Lundgren. The second time around, it could be a little less interesting to our listeners if they're still listening. Number 82 on the list... The 1995 Reds. Oh. One of my favorite teams. Yeah. What did What did you like about the 1995 Reds? I don't know. I think that was one of the first years I really, like, actually, I was probably 12 in 95. So it was like one of the first years I was, like, paying a whole lot of attention. And, yeah, that team was kind of the team that Ron Gant was always a favorite of mine. Was Reggie Sanders on that team? Reggie was. Laverne, absolutely. Sanders, yes, yes. Yeah, those two guys, and then of course Larkin were yeah. Larkin in his prime. Yeah, right. that's Larkin, yeah one of yeah. Larkin's better years. Was that, Larkin, his MVP year? that was his MVP year. Was, that, no, was it? Yeah, I thought it. Yeah, that was his it MVP was. year. He had thirty home runs the year afterwards. But yeah. that, okay, and that was the year Marge made him take off the earring. <laughs> you know, correlation equals causation in my book for that. <laughs> yeah, Larkin was actually better in '96, but '95 was. Right. And that, you know, the, the pitching that year was also pretty good. That was... Um, David Wells, Boomer. Pete Shurek. Cy Shurek. John Smiley. Yeah. That's... Those are... Those are, those are the two those are names starting pitching acquisitions who, of the Jim Bowden When, you, when you think of Reds pitchers from the 90s, that I think Pete Shurek and John Smiley are, are the two that, that I go to. Not named Jose Rio. Yeah. Or, or Mark Portugal. That aren't Jose Rio. I didn't realize that. Did you guys know that when Larkin won the MVP in 95, he only played 131 games? Oh, wow. <laughs> it was a straight short in the season, though. Right. So uh, that, was, yeah. that was roughly a 145 number. Uh, uh, I just used extrapolating. I'm, I'm impressed with myself. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, you're right. I was, I was just staring at that same thing. and it was. It's funny. I, I, I'd forgotten that two of his peak seasons were strike short in years. So with the – uh, the Hall of Fame argument that he only played over you know a certain number of games, a certain number of years. He was somewhat somewhat affected by both of uh, ninety four and ninety five. Right. 
make the same argument for Bagwell and uh, Biggio, too, which it still boggles my mind that Biggio was not a first ballot Hall of Famer, but, you know, that's a... Mm, Don't save that for the Astros podcast. Yeah, I will. (laughs) You will? How dare you? Crawfish Box will have you on to to debate that. All right, now now we're going to the uh, our favorite part of the show, where we take questions from you, the listener. Well, before you actually listen. Um, well, right this this is uh, the Twitter question segment. So for you, the Twitter hashtag is... RR podcast hashtag RR fun bag. Yeah, that's I guess. Do you have to include both hashtags? I have no idea. Insert, insert really. uh, open <laughs> Hey, here's one from Andrew Jamal. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was gonna be the first one I went to. At Andrew underscore Jamal, at Red Reporter, what's the over slash under on first inning sack bunt attempts this season? Hashtag RR Fun Bag. Hashtag RR Podcast. I don't know. I don't. I don't know the answer to that question either. Sixteen. <laughs> All right, sounds good, Wick. I mean, it. There obviously. Can we just say more than it? Should be and be done with that. Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, probably yeah, go with that. We know, we know Dusty does that, but it's. I mean, I, I assume what we're saying is uh, chew on base, Cozart sacrifice bunt, photo intentional walk. Is yeah. that the the crux of the question? I I, yeah, I think that's what's being implied. Yeah. So, in other words, Brandon Phillips coming on with one out and the bases loaded. That's a terrible situation. Two men on. Oh yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do suppose it's better than a. Uh, uh, None on, two out, five away played. Right. Saw way too much of that last year. In years of your Y-O-U-R-E, absolutely. Can we answer BT Coop's question? We can. <laughs> our, our friend BT Coop asks, I have a question. Why wasn't I invited? Well, well Be- Coop? Because this is an animal house, Coop. <laughs> <laughs> we feared for our dog safety. <laughs> Oh, this that is, is, is exactly that. Well done. Good job, Coop. Well done. And we will be the uh, one podcast that will not block you. <laughs> not yet. Not yet, yeah. <laughs> All right. Next on the list comes from some guy, Farney, Farney Fool. Oh, what a silly name. I don't, yeah. Is he I don't, who he is? <laughs> he is who he is, I guess. I don't know is. who he is. But he asked us. Why is Joey Daniel so sexy? Also, how do I become sexy enough for him to fall in love with me? Well, by this, I'm assuming that you are an unattractive female. So, well, his avatar is a a bear with a bunch of uh, snow around its face, masquerading as cocaine. Yeah. So, I don't know. Now let's ask our resident uh, bear pig. I don't. I have no answer to that question. I don't either. Let's. Let's we move on. Question, I think it's the March shot uh, tracksuit. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, these are all by Patrick. Yeah, Patrick has a lot of these. They're really unbelievable. Um, Let's keep that just card in. <laughs> Let's see here. Mike Whaley at Rosefan asks, just wanted to know if Dusty might be playing a little more aggressive now. The squeeze last week was awesome. I don't know. You know, it's it's an interesting topic. I mean, it's not one that we really expected that that crazy suicide squeeze that ended up working to the Reds' favor. 
I think you love it when it works, but... Right, when it, it doesn't work... It does seem to take it all kinds yeah. of shit if that wouldn't make Yeah, when it doesn't yeah. work, don't read Twitter for about yeah. an inning and a half. Right. You have to yeah, stay that, away from it. That's kind of a product of the, uh, the offense. Is the offense is kind of consistently improved. He's got more options. I mean, if, if Frazier's slumping, Bruce is slumping, nothing's coming out of left field, Cozart's terrible, uh, there's not going to be a whole lot of infield to play deep. And as uh, as they've all started to heat up, he suddenly got a little bit more uh, more options at his disposal. So I don't know if they keep hitting. I think you'll see that. I mean, Dusty's shown in times past. He's he's more than willing to be uh, quote unquote creative uh, right. in terms of his play calls. So yeah, and I, I think that situation is pretty much the ideal time for a uh, squeeze with Derek Robinson at the plate, and certainly not a big run producer by the traditional right. standard. So, uh, and certainly the guy can bunt. So maybe. Oh, by the way, newsflash, uh, Zach Cozart's now hitting 285 in May. Yeah. Wow. Hey. Yeah, with an on-base percentage of also 285. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next uh, question on the list comes from our buddy Jake. Hey, Obviously, Jake. Jake, hey, Jake. Jake comes to stuff. Piscal. Hey, Piscal. Jake, Jake Piscal. <laughs> Um, his handle is at JSL413, he asks. When is JS capital I413. It is JSL. Okay. His, his, his email box is going to blow up right now with all those new followers. I hope, I hope it does. Box. I hope it does. He's a good follow. He knows what he's doing. And he asks, when is Joey Votto going to get hot? Also, why isn't Jay Bruce batting eighth? Can Shinsu Chu hit fourth? Um, yes. Yes to all three. Yes. Mo- moving on. Um, our buddy Patrick at Patrick E. Clark, also known as Roast Beef Kazanzakis on Red Reporter. That's, did I say that right? Or Road Beef Kazanzakis, or Kevin Mitchell is Road Beef Kazanzakis, not to be confused with Kevin Mitchell's Road Beef. Or Kevin Mitchell is uh, Beef Curtains. Or Kevin Mitchell is Angie. <laughs> and yes, Quito versus Garza, Marquis of Queensberry rules. Who you got? That's the one where they First have. off, let's look up what Marquis of Queensberry rules means. I already know what it is. It's I don't the, know what it is. It's the rules of boxing. It's the actual rules of boxing, the way okay. the boxing was originally uh, intended. They rub you down with coarse Turkish towels to begin the boxing match. Okay. And uh, then I think you, they give each <laughs> other... <laughs> then I think they give each other enemas. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, they take physics to work the bounds. Yes, uh, exactly. The the skip from Jackass, where uh, Steve-O and Johnny Knoxville were lobbing um, uh, racquetballs at each other's balls. Um, And I think that's what they should do. They should be forced to throw things at each other because that's what they do. Who would would win in a Cueto versus Garza racquetball showdown when you get to throw him? I'm going to say Cueto. I I would say Garza would probably tear some sort of elbow ligament in the process. (laughs) Strained a lot. And then get traded. Yeah. I I would agree. I, I would probably take Cueto in most fights, as long as he can use his feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or his hair. It's true. Well, you know, Dreadlocks. if he cut his hair, he'd have an ERA under one. Hey-o. He did get the, the weird beard going again. You guys noticed that? Yeah, the with the JCs. Yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah. 
I don't know about that. So, looking ahead, looks like I'm looking at the wrong one. It looks, it looks like the Reds have the Pirates this weekend on the road, which should be actually a pretty good series since the Pirates are, are right there in it with us. And then a homestand with Wicks, Colorado Rockies, and the St. Louis Cardinals. So, what do we what do we think about uh, the Reds' upcoming schedule? No, they're in a, they're in the midst of uh, 13 straight games against teams that are over 500. Right. Um, starting with the the Cleveland series back in Cincinnati. So if you look at them on paper, there's still I mean, there's there's no team we should really be scared of. That's just the part of the Reds being good. But um, it's it's interesting to note that, that that they might actually play a little bit better than they have over the last three weeks of the the season and might. Mm-hmm quote-unquote, be slumping, as their record uh, indicates, because they're playing better teams. Um, Pittsburgh swept us, what, last time we were up there in mid-April? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Well, they, they finally, finally yeah. their bats finally turned on. So uh, I'm, I'm looking at that series as the one that I'm the most concerned about. Uh, yeah. It's I mean, nice to have Cueto go in that first game. Hopefully he can uh, just do what he does when he faces the Pirates and uh, get us a win in the opener and that kind of settle things down, but Pittsburgh kind of took it to us last time up there. Yeah, there's a lot to be said about these, especially the Pirates series and the Cardinals series. I think once once we're at that point of the season, what is that, June 9th, I think we'll know a lot more about this Reds team than we do right now. Absolutely, and absolutely. Well, we knew enough there's to a lot give of the Drunky Weight or Ray Awards. So. Right. How are the Rockies doing so well? Wake, you watch them out there? I've watched a lot of their games. Um, their offense is... Pretty spectacular up until I think last night they led the league, uh, led the National League in runs. And now the Reds, the Reds are first by four or five runs scored, but they're sitting second. Um, their pitching, it's weird. You look at their staff and they look like they're kind of smoke and mirrors. Uh, Chassin's pretty much the only one who's been consistently good. Uh, they do have a good bullpen, um, but. It's the classic Rockies that have just kind of outscored teams is pretty much what it comes down to. Yeah, um, they, lead, they lead the league in OPS and surprisingly second in stolen bases, so they do run and run often. Uh, Nolan Arenado, their, their rookie they called up to, to play at third base, has been solid, if not uh, spectacular. He's He's... Not an OPS machine because he doesn't get on base a lot, but when he hits the ball, he's an extra base hit machine. Um, and he's fit perfectly in that lineup. Uh, Carlos Gonzalez and Tulowitzki have been what they are when they're both healthy. And, uh, you know, it's it, as good as Chu and Votto are. It's kind of hard to find a, 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 a two-headed combo better than Gonzalez and, and Tulo, and they've been, um, they've been hitting, hitting the hell out of the ball so far. Yeah, but their be. pitching is just... You know, throw something at the wall and hope it sticks. Yeah. Don't Sounds they, like the mid '90s Reds or the mid 2000s uh, Reds. Yeah. Don't they still it have does. The, uh, Jeff Francis? Does. Don't they still have Jeff Francis on their team? Uh, Jeff Francis had a roughly seven point uh, billion ERA. So he's their number two. He seven. was at one point though, right? This he year. was at one point. I okay. think he's still somewhat in the rotation. I think he got. Uh, <laughs> he, he, they skipped the start with him. 
Uh, his his fastest fastball he's thrown all year is eighty five. Um, he's <laughs> never a good sign. Uh, he, he's a shell of his uh, two thousand seven uh, World Series game one starter self. Um, they've got a couple guys in the upper minors that I mean the Rockies have had good starters in the upper minors before that, that show up in, in Denver yeah. and can't do anything. Uh, Drew Pomeranz, the guy they got from the, the Indians uh, in the Baltimore mm-hmm. Minutes trade, is mm-hmm. on the cusp of starting. Uh, they've got a decent amount of depth. Just none of them, uh, aside from Shasin, really seem like they've got uh, any sort of track record to uh, to show that they can do it. And it's just kind of been hit or miss with them. Far out. Far freaking out, man. Is Matt Belisle still on that team? Matt Belisle is. He and uh, Adam Adovino are the, uh, basically the, well, we, we call them the, the the traditional seventh and eighth inning guys on most teams, but considering Rocky starters don't get through the sixth, they're kind of the sixth, seventh, eighth inning guys. So <laughs> they've uh, they've logged a lot of innings the last couple of years, and they've been effective so far. But who knows how long they can go in a season? You know, uh, after having back to back seventy plus appearance seasons. How much fun? Good. How much fun out. would it's not a good spot? How much fun would? Uh, Watching a game at Coors Field be if they had the designated hitter there, not Barry. <laughs> Watching games at Coors are fun as is. I, I was actually there last year when um, I saw the longest home run I've ever seen hit in person. Uh, when Ryan Ludwig hit, when we were sitting in left field and he hit one about, I'm, I think it was like 15, 16 rows up and left, and he hit one a solid 100, 140 feet past me. It was just. It was amazing. So, yeah, more hitters the better out there. I can't believe they put a team in Colorado and didn't put them in the American League. But that's just life. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to just about do it for this week. Make sure to uh, visit us at redreporter.com. Follow us at redreporter on Twitter. Unless we block Tweet us your questions uh, for our next episode. Um, Keep an eye on our Twitter for that. We'll be... uh, getting the word out as soon as we can for and uh for scott brian wick and carrie i'm bk peace out